Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. We're going to talk about things that, that we need to recognize. And uh, the next two Sundays, we're still going to do chains. But we're going to talk about deliverance and, and, and really the focus on not the chain, but the deliverer. Amen? Amen. Because, because, you know, but, but we're in America. We have to be proven that we need a Savior because we are, are a self-sufficient people. See, the freedom is great. Don't get me wrong. I am so glad we're free. But freedom also brings with it a negative side that I don't need anybody but me. I'm free. But you know what? No one's free unless the sun sets them free. Amen. Amen? And so that's why we're going to talk about some of the fruit today and why I'm, I'm staying with it. But we're talking about chains of your past. Okay, everybody ready? We're going to zip through these a little bit. I'll, I'll be two minutes or two hours. We just hang on. Hallelujah. So, so number one, change of your past. You got to be careful to leave your past behind. Abuses and hurts can become bad roots that chain you. You know, uh, 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 an oak tree in the middle of the pasture, in the middle of the pasture, it has deep roots, and it can take wind from any direction. But you know what? If 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 you're uh, if if you if a, go into a forest that takes a wind from a southwest direction, their re- roots grow, and they lean against that southwest wind. So if an east wind comes, guess what? They're easy to knock over. And so we've got to be rooted in the Word of God. But you know what? We can be rooted in sin. And that's what we're going to look at some of the things today. Past hurts can grow. They can dominate you. If you, you, you cannot meditate on wrongs that have been done to you, or they will become a root. They will become a chain and break, and, and, and it will hold you down. Give my chain here. It's dirty. But chains are made to hold you down to keep you from God. How many of you know, we talked about promotion, promoting the kids. You know spiritually you're supposed to promote we're supposed to continue to grow, to grow, to grow, and to promote in God. But how many you know change the hinder you? Put my picture up there. I got some pictures to show today. This lady right here says, if you dwell, this is, this is good. If you dwell on your own feelings, it's Elizabeth Elliot, about things rather than dwelling on faithfulness, the faithfulness, the love, the mercy of God, then you're likely to have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Our feelings are very fleeting. And if, if I went blank, if Muriel, can you say that? That's not a Virginia word. I told Jeff that's not a Virginia word, is it? But that's all right. You're going to have a bad day. Our feelings are very fleeting. We can't depend on them for five minutes at a time. How many of y'all ever heard a song just set you in a mood? Yeah. That's why praise is powerful. God invented music to touch your heart. The world or the devil has converted music to make you drink a little bit more, put you depressed. She just started liking cheating songs. What is that about? Huh? Is she cheating on me? So now we're, now we're going something. Now we're getting chained. Huh? So we look at chains. 
And so, but dwelling on love, faithfulness, and mercy of God is always safe. That's where we got to dwell. But how many of you know that half the world, or more than half the world, dwelling on the negative? Christians dwell on the negative. Okay. In 1 Kings 5, 3, it talks about the kings. He walked in the sins, idol worship of his father, Rehoboam, committed before him in his heart. His heart was not entirely devoted to the Lord his God like his father before him, or David. David was devoted, but all of his sons didn't follow him. What he's talking about, and it says throughout the Bible that the sins of the fathers would be visited on the sons. Break that chain. Break that chain. Man, I know I'm, there was a story of two, two brothers, and one educated himself, one went to work, and one became an alcoholic. So you got two, 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 two branches on the tree. And the one that became an alcoholic, he had a, a lifetime family of alcoholism, drug abuse, and this one had judges and lawyers and preachers and everything else because he changed the course of his life. You can change the course of your life. You care how old, how young, how old, or what you are. You can break the chain. It's getting quiet in here. So, doesn't matter how you were raised. God can cleanse you and empower you to break the chain. So, number two. There's fruit. There's fruit. The bad roots. To be enchained to something, there's fruits. And what we're talking about, the fruit of these things, is because, because you can recognize, wait a minute, I need to change. But you know what we do? You need to change. But we need to judge ourselves. Matthew 12, 33, look what it says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. The tree's known by its fruit. You can make the tree good. You can make the tree bad. You are the tree. Are you going to make it good or are you going to make it bad? Are you going to decide to live righteously? Are you going to decide to serve God? Are you going to decide or are you going to just do what you want to do and live the way of the world? Because you've got to keep this in the back of your mind. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, a hell to walk away from. But this I like even better. There's an almighty God to please. That keeps me. It's not about what I can do. It's I want to please him. So somebody asked me one time, you know, how did you quit? I I dipped snuff for a long, long time. I wanted to please God. He's big. He's mighty. I want to please him. If I want to give him my life, I want to please him. The Bible says Jesus perfectly pleased the Father. Wow. And you know what? Your mind goes, well, there's no way I can perfectly please God. I'm just not good enough. Quit that thinking. That's wrong meditation. The meditation is that the blood of, by the blood of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus, I can please the Father. My kids are my kids. Whether they please me or not, they're still my children, and I still love them, but they can please me. I, I tell the story. My daughter practiced ball every day, and it was just a, 
a storm came, and she came home early, and she's used to doing stuff. She cleaned the whole house top to bottom. I walked in like, you talking about pleased? Who did this? Clothes are folded, washed. Dishes are clean. Kitchen clean. Beds are made. Who did this? What can I do for you? Emily, what can I do for you? That's the way God is. When you please him, he's like, what can I do for you? You get his attention. God's always, he sent the Holy Spirit to follow you around, to knock on your heart's door, to say, hey, hey, this, this, if you would, see, that, that's the thing. We come to the next level, and God says, if you do this, it'd really please me more. Because you can start naming everything you don't do. Well, I don't do that. I'm not as bad as Jeff. I'm not as bad as Tim. I'm not as bad as Patrick. So I think I'm going to make it. It ain't about that. It's about pleasing the Father. It's no comparison. We talked about that last Sunday. It's no comparison. It's about pleasing the Father. Wow, I want to please God. He's bigger than I am. He's greater than I am. There's an eternity to spend with him. Why not start pleasing him now? The flesh says, oh, just wait. The flesh says, just enjoy yourself. Mm-mm. We're not going to turn there, but there's Galatians 5 in the, there. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There are fruits to bad roots. In Galatians 5, 19, talks about the bad ones. I just want to read them off for you. You ready? Listen to this. Immorality, impurity, sensuality. We call any of those three sex. Um, idolatry, worshiping anything from the TV. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. It's because you're comparing yourself. Outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. Those let you know there's some kind of chain going on. But it's fruit to the chain. And see, if Tim has anger and he yells at me, what do I want to do? Don't you yell at me. But I'm reacting to the fruit, not the chain. You hear me? Amen. Hurt people hurt people because they're hurt. And we don't recognize that we don't, re- we got to recognize that there's, that's coming from somewhere. <laughs> Dr. Field say, okay, now what made you feel that? What made you say that thing? And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to be, but I am a believer and I believe the power of God can change you. But you've got to recognize that the fruit is not the problem. There's a root to it. There's a reason behind it. Something in the past. So we're going to talk about some things that were growing. I only picked out three of them, but let me finish this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So that way we know we're walking in the Spirit. We walk and we need to fulfill the Spirit by, by living that way. But all the other ones, that's, those are increments or judgments that you can know. You can know that you're bound up. <laughs> How many of you know there are certain people who get under your skin? 
I mean, you know, like, like I said, there's a certain song. Songs make you feel a certain way. You need to quit listen to, listening to them. Mm-mm. So underneath number two is A, B, and C. A is bad attitudes. They're a sign that something's taking root. A bad attitude. Proverbs 6, 16 through 18 in the Amplified, it says, These six things the Lord's hate, indeed, a seven are repulsive to him. God hates a proud look, the attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that creates wicked plans, feet that run swiftly to evil. Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed. This is our next scripture. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, it's an attitude. You know, people have an attitude. Grumpy attitude, arrogant attitude, griping attitude, negative attitude. Good morning. You know? How are you today? Shut up. Y'all ain't met anybody like that? Shoot, I used to work with a bunch of them. Maybe that's just Louisiana people. I know it's none of us. Right? Okay. Remember the little boy that made him sit in the corner for doing wrong? He said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. But that's the wrong attitude. Because that carries, see, that carries over to life and to God. It's called selfishness, really. Now let's look at Romans 12, too. And do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Renewing your mind is focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. That's what the Amplified said. Ethical attitudes. Attitudes. Attitudes are important. How you live. Uh... What we saw, Psalms 103, praise the Lord, O my soul. Up here is your soul command, down here is your spirit man. Your soul command is how you, you make yourself praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Soul, straighten up and fly right. You are going to praise God today. Now, and I'm talking about on Sunday morning. I'm talking about on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. You got to make yourself praise God. Because how many of you know that there's some rough stuff out there? that comes to steal your joy. So you got to make yourself, you got to keep your attitude, you got to renew your mind by focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. In Galatians 6, 4. Hey, can you, how, how long will it take to put that in the Amplified? All right, we'll just read it. Let each one of us examine our own work. That means look at yourself. Then he will ha- have rejoicing in himself alone, and, and, and not a, another. You, you, oh, some of y'all looked in the mirror and fixed your hair. Some of you. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Relax. But you look in the mirror, mirror to see how you look. Well, the Word of God is a mirror that you look to see how you look. You've got to judge yourself to keep yourself. So, so, so just don't walk around thinking I'm good. We always stay humble before God and submitted to Him. Scrutinize your own work. Examine your actions, your attitudes, and behaviors. What the Amplified says. 
your actions, your attitude, your behavior. In Philippians 2, 4 through 6, it says, Do not merely look for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. See, once you mature, my grandsons were running in church this morning and trying to keep them from running in church. The middle one failed. The oldest one looked after him, picked him up. Let me help you up. Well, that's, that's where we're supposed to grow to, to help others. Amen? That's where we got to keep our attitude humble and, and submitted to God because we're called to do the Lord's work. B. And I could have went, and I should have added about 14 others, but this is one the Lord took, and, and I'm going to make mention. B is depression. Depression can come from past hurts, taking over, taking root, chaining you down. I'm not an expert counselor. I'm, no, I'm not, but I can be led by God. Depression's a mood disorder characterized by a loss of interest in activities that are usually enjoyed. Extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, helplessness, or hopelessness. Listen, why did I bring that up? Because it's the number one health issue. One out of nine people are on meds. One out of five people have been on meds. Depression meds are going up 300%. It's a stigma, on, uh, and there's a stigma on that kind of disorder or uh, depression or mental illness or all that stuff. Listen to me. We were never designed. I mean, it, it's okay not to be okay. Everybody's dealing with something, and you're lying if you don't. We all deal with junk. I'm not excusing it. I'm saying let's go after it. Let's go after it. I deal with stuff, and I have to put it down. I, you know, Miss Shirley will call me uh, for counsel, and I call her for counsel. I call other pastors for counsel. Other pastors call me for counsel because they need encouragement. We all do. We all need help, and God has sent us help, and God wants to help us. We need to address it. And so, uh, you know, God needs to work in everybody. We were never designed to, to sit indoor. Look at what America's gone to. Um, indoor, socially isolated, food-laden, sleep-deprived, frenzied pace of life. Remember back in the day, people used to sit on the front porch and wave at you as you come by. Now they're on the back porch if they're outside any at all. Every culture that works outside gets a little dirt under their fingernails has less mental disorders. That's just you know, a lack of identity, knowing who you are in Christ, the inability to process pain, things like that. See, not knowing who we are and forgetting who we are and focusing on the, the negative. What happened to you? Were you abused? Did you make a wrong decision, a wrong turn in life? You know, there, there's a board game called the game of life. You spin the thing. Anybody ever played it other than me? First time and the only time I ever played it, I played it with my girlfriend who I married and her brother. And they cheated me. I spun the wheel, and I had a choice to make. I can take the shortcut, or I can go the other way. Take the shortcut, they said. I finished first, but lost. There are no shortcuts in life. But they said, take the shortcut. You know, I said, y'all playing, they was the devil. They was the devil's advocate. And I lost, and they laughed. I'm not bitter. 
<laughs> My wife said, quit using her as examples. <laughs> Listen to me. Look at, put my second picture up there. This is Corey Ten Boom. She's an awesome woman of God. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Isn't that a great saying? See, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's our focus. He's our life. We've got to keep our focus on Jesus and nothing else. Jesus is Lord of all. Let, let, me, let me go ahead and throw this one out. And I may have to do a whole sermon on this one. You know, uh, depression is number one. You know, let's talk about something that we don't talk about in church. Sex. Pornography. It's rampant. It's an epidemic. Yeah, he got quiet. Oh, Lord, what's he going to say now? Okay. Two-thirds of men are dealing with pornography. That's in church. One-third of women, 50% of pastors. It's an epidemic. Well, what's wrong with it? It's called imagination. Perverted imagination. It's not real. It sets a standard that's not real. And I ain't got time. We may have to do a whole sermon in, in next month on this, but we got a deal we got to quit, and we're going to help you. This, that's a chain that needs to be broken off. It's a chain, just like depression is a chain. About, just, last, we talked about sickness. We talked about no peace. Having no, no peace, d- disease, dis-ease, no peace. Those things aren't of God. Sin, you weren't made for. Sin is, is perverts the will of God for your life. Let's just talk just for a minute. Is that all right? God has a will for your life. And that's to be married to one woman. I know many are divorced. God forgives you. God cleanses you. But then get your focus back. If I'm married cheating on my wife, I'm perverted. It's not God's will for me to cheat on my wife. I committed to her in front of God for my whole life. And there's times, you know, that, that man, we've had it out. Just the way it is. We all do. Being real. But I repent. She repents. We repent. You know, it's what, what Jesse DePlanis say. We, divorce is not in our vocabulary. Murder comes up from time to time. <laughs> but, but it's true. You got to deal and be real. I'm being real today because God wants us free. God wants us on another level. God wants peace in our marriages, peace in our homes, peace in our lives. You know, I, give the Lord a hand clap. It ain't me. There's a, there's, a, there's a military movie I like, like. It's called Uncommon Valor. Makes me proud to be an American. And these, these, these guys are Navy SEALs, and they're about to go on a mission. You know what they get in a circle? Is everything right at the house? Are your bills paid up? Are you and the wife right? You need to get right because we're going to be gone for several months. 
if you need money, let me know. Because if you're not right at the house, then you're going to have trouble when we get out on the field. If your mind's, not, if your mind's on the house and all your worries and cares, we're going to have trouble when you go to war. And see, God wants to take you to another place where everything's right in your house where you can go to war. Because it's time to take, kick the devil in the teeth. What the way is, the way of righteousness is through prayer. And yeah, we need to vote, and we're supposed to vote, and you better vote, and you better take your Bible with you. But getting out and, 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 and putting a mask on and screaming at somebody is not godly. But it's through prayer and supplication and, 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 and praying over our... Listen, when our politics in our country changed in the 60s, we've been going down. The politics over a country will affect everything that's going on. Look at it now. Look at the shootings. We have to lock the church down. I have to put cameras in here. Why? When I was a kid, you didn't have to lock the church because the church was respected. 70% of kids went to church when I was a kid. 4%. We're behind, folks. We got to get our stuff straight so we can go after, go after children and go after youth. Man, you walk down the big city street and you'll see people on crack or on heroin, and man, it breaks my heart. And you know what? I'm like hyperventilating. <laughs> How can I do something? It's overwhelming there's so many. But God, God will empower us to do what we need to do to have an effect. And on our little church, and don't be calling it little anymore, our church can make a difference in this nation. By giving, by sending, have you ever thought about going? Are you a sender or a goer? I can't, I'm going to keep asking that because you, if you want to go, you better get ready. Well, I don't know enough of the Bible. Well, get know enough of the Bible. Just learn John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you want to really get good, read 17. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to love you. That's enough to get the world saved. It is. Well, I'm not a Bible scholar. You don't have to be. You just got to love God and love people and have a heart for them to see them delivered and changed, and God will empower you to lay hands on the sick to see them recover, to bring the love of God to just see people melt before your eyes, to give you boldness to do it. Let's break some chains off. God wants to do some stuff with you and me. So depression, pornography, all these things, man, they need to be broken off of us. Let me, let me tell you a real story. Let's, let's look in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 in the message. Let's look what it says right here. Now, now hold on. Let me set this up. Paul went on a missionary journey and you know what? Everywhere he went, how many of you know the devil was stirring up people to kill him? Now, he's talking about the pressure right here. The pressure of life came on him. Let's read it. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. Anybody ever been there? Me. Me, 
don't lie. What are we going to do? We felt like we'd been sent to death row and that it was all over for us. God, it's over. And what am I going to do? Pressure of life came on Paul right here. They were after him. We felt like we'd been sent on death row. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength, our wits, uh, to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. Hey! So why don't we start trusting God? He's the one who can raise the dead, even unto death. See, the problem is, is we're afraid to die. We're afraid of what people think. Somebody's saying they was going to make this big investment, and they go, oh, what if I can't pay it back? Well, so you'll file bankruptcy. Well, I, uh, come on, don't let the what ifs hold you back. There's too many big butts that hold us back. But, but, but what if this happens? But, but what if that happens? But what if it don't work? But what if God doesn't come through? God's going to come through. And it's on his timing. And sometimes he has to work through other people who are hard-headed. Ah, like something, you know, don't, I'm not going there. So he did it and rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again, rescuing us many times as we need rescuing. As many times as we need rescuing. You and your prayers are a part of the rescue operation. I don't want you in the dark about it either. I can see your faces even now. Lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us and rescue of our prayers played such a crucial part. You need to be thanking God for people in your life. You need to be thanking God when you see people going through stuff. You need to be praying for them and thanking God for their deliverance. Praising Him for their deliverance. Paul went through it. Hmm. If you read it where he said, Lord, deliver me from this, and it said, and he, God said, my grace is sufficient. Paul was looking at the trouble, and God said, my grace. And if you transpose grace to power, my power is sufficient because grace gives you access to the power of God. Three times he said, and some people said, well, he had a thorn in the side. It was sickness. It was that. If you read it, it says a demon spirit was sent to him to torment him, to keep him from preaching the gospel. Every time he stepped up, they started shouting him down. They would yell louder than he can preach. And then they plotted to kill him. And they did. They stoned him one time. And, I, you know, most people are like, well, I, if they started stoning me, I'd just fake it. No, they come up and finish you off while you're laying there faking it. God is a deliverer. We've got to get it. He wants to break the chains. Even off the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he felt the pressures of life. See, another, another sign is bitterness. What are you bitter about? What made you bitter? You ever met somebody who's bitter? How their parents treated them, how they were abused, 
Sexual abuse is on the rise. Children are being abused. Maybe you are, but you can't live in bitterness. You can't let the sin they did to you become yours. Amen. Most people that step in that have been sexually abused turn to, to, and sexually abuse people. It's crazy. That's the sins of the father or the sins of somebody coming down on them. They change their whole outlook on life. I must be homosexual. I was abused by a man. I know it's getting quiet, but that's real. You got to break that chain off. You can't own that. That's not you. That's on them and them and God. You need to get free. Amen. God wants to set you free. You can't be bitter the rest of your life. Job 7:11 said, "I will complain in my bitterness, in the bitterness of my soul." That's not good. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Here's your soul command. This is where complaining and bitterness and stuff resides. Don't let it move down into here. Amen. And you need to quit that. We've got to take control of it. Break these things off. Acts 8.22. Let me set this up. Let me set this up. Philip, the first evangelist, went to another city, went down and preached Jesus. Amen. And I, I, I've always taken this. He preached Jesus, then uh, then Peter and John went down and laid hands on people got filled with the Holy Ghost. But, but inside this story is another story about a man named Simon. And if you read it and, and go back and read it, Simon was a sorcerer who tricked people, who manipulated people, who did signs and tricks and magician. He was a sorcerer. And he did all these things, and, and that was his way of life, the way he made money. Probably demonic. Y'all, there is demonic realm out here. See, and talking about all these things, the devil's behind the one chaining you. There's a demonic realm. Matter of fact, let's just take a side note. You remember the madman of Gadara? Remember that he lived in the tombs? He eat dead people. He would run around naked. Demonic. And he had a legion of demons in him. Remember the thousand demons? And remember Jesus set foot on the bank, and then he's walking up, and here, comes, here he comes running. Ah! You ever seen anybody like that? That They chained him, and he broke chains. When I went to the jail, I would tell the story. There was a man they had in leggings. He broke those leggings. You don't break those steel leggings. He had a spirit. That man, even though he broke the chains that the people tried to chain him with, he was still chained on the inside. But even the demons couldn't stop him from receiving Jesus. A thousand of them couldn't stop him from submitting to Jesus. No devil in hell can stop you unless you let him. So sometimes you got to command him to get off of you. Get out of my mind in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name. You ain't got to shout. You just be, just command. So, so this guy named Simon, he was a sorcerer. That was the way his lifestyle. He even got saved and baptized. 
So in verse 21, Peter and John are laying hands on people, and the power of God's coming on them. And Simon's watching. Wow. And he goes to Peter, and he says, I'll give you money if you give me that power that I can give to people. And Peter's response, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Look at the next verse. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Let me read something. For I see, in verse 23, here's another translation. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness, which is jealous envy has poisoned you and binds you as a captive to sin and bound by iniquity. Even being saved, his old past came up and he goes, I can make money with that. See, your past iniquities and sin will chain you and hold you back. Your old way of thinking, stinking thinking. We got to break the chain of wrong thinking. That's the way I am. That's the way I've always been. That's the way my daddy was. That's the way my grandpa, that's the, that's the way the McClary's are. No, you can break that today. It ain't the way you are. God wants to make you a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. He reverted back to his old lifestyle. The Bible says that we're to be dead to our old lifestyle. But how many of you know we drag him around behind us? He stinks. And we call him up just in case somebody gets in our face. We can, get, we can call that dead man back up. I'm ready. That's our flesh. But to be dead to that. And to live for Christ. Are you with me? You hearing me? So break it off. Come on, we're showing some things. I put that picture up there. A jealous spirit will cause you to mistreat people who could have been a blessing to you. Come on. There, there are things that, that we can learn from. Miss Shirley, will you come just for a moment? I don't know what happened to the microphone that was here. Oh, there it is. It'll probably be better than this one. I want her to tell a story about bitterness. It has been several years back when my husband was living and we lived Richlands area. And praying in the Spirit will get you a long way with things of God. So this particular day, I wasn't working. And so I was praying in the Spirit for a few hours. While I'm sitting there praying in the Spirit for a few hours, uh, it was like a television screen. I had my eyes closed. It's a vision. They're scriptural. Uh, I had a, it looked like a television screen. 
in high school, I had a, a best friend, a Jean. She had sisters. I didn't have brothers and sisters. So I was at her house. She was at mine. She had older sisters as well. Well, that particular day, looking at this thing just like I was watching a television with my eyes closed, I could see her older sister, whose name was Leela. I didn't even know if Leela was alive because we graduated a long time ago, and I don't, I'm not connected with them anymore. I might see them in town once in a great while, but I hadn't seen Leela in years. I didn't even know if she was still living. So the Lord spoke to my heart as I looked at this screen. I could see Leela. Her legs and feet were all puffed up. They were swollen out over her bedroom shoes. She had bedroom shoes on. It was warmer weather. And the Lord said to me, if you'll go tell her she has a root of bitterness and she'll let it go, I'll heal her. I don't even know where she is, and I don't even know if she's living. I began to pray in the spirit again, and I said, God, I don't know where she is. I, where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I go? I got nothing else. That's faith, you know. <laughs> you have to revert back to what you knew. Well, I, I couldn't get anything else. And I said, Lord, the only place I know to go is the old home place where I knew she was at that time years back. So I, it was a several miles from where I lived. And I get in the car and I start. I'm praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. But I go to the old home place. When I get there, uh, there was a car in front of me. It turned in the driveway there. I'm saying, oh, Lord, I'm missing it, you know. But anyway, she had a daughter. She had two children grown now, uh, Ann and Johnny. Ann was her daughter, and she was driving this vehicle that pulled into the driveway. Leela was in the passenger side. So I pulled in behind them. When she got out, Leela, all those feet and legs and the bedroom shoes was just like the picture on the screen that I had seen. So she said, well, Shirley King, what you doing up here? And I said, well, I come to see you, you know. And so we went in the house, chit-chatted about old times and my high school friend and all that. Then I said to her, I didn't explain the vision. I just simply said, Lila, I was praying this morning, and God said, which he did, that you have a root of bitterness. If you'll let it go, he'll heal you she began to cry she said that's right I do she said I have me and Ann are having it very difficult financially my son is in Texas he's working he could help us and he won't I said well maybe he should but it's not worth your healing I said God said if you'll let it go will you do that will you repent will you let it go she said, yes, I will. She started to cry. So I went over, and she, she just prayed, Lord, I'm going to let it go. Uh, I repent. I let it go. And when I laid hands on her, and those feet and legs were really puffed up. She had been to the doctor that day before they pulled in. One of the feet and legs went down, whoosh, just like a, a wind. And the other one went part down. And we had church. <laughs> we sure did. Praise God. Well, anyway, it went on. And I never see her in town ever before, much at ever. But that, about three weeks later, Bill and I went to the mall. 
and she was in there, and she looked perfectly well. And so when you have that root of bitterness, it will affect your health, your relationships, your time with God, your family, everything else. If you've got one today, you have to let it go in Jesus' name. Amen. So bitterness. You say, well, how come God doesn't ever take me to, to pray for somebody? Have you asked him? He wants to. There are people that you can touch that Miss Shirley can't, that I can't, that Tim can't, that Jeff can't. There are people that God puts in your path for you to touch, for you to minister to, for you to pray for, for you to call up. I didn't have no TV screen vision, but God has sent me to people before. Go tell them that they're called. Go tell them that they need to step up. Some of them are still in ministry today. You, you've, got to, you've got to just be open and see that if you break these chains off and start fo quit focusing on you and focus on the kingdom. And then stuff will just start falling off of us, won't it? So, so Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth for what is good for necessary edification that may impart grace to the hearers. Are you imparting grace to the hearers? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit can be heartbroken over you. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Bitterness, there it is, wrath, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive will break it off of you. Tim, I can't believe you. I, I, what you said to me five years ago, it still just eats me up. I'm chained, not him. I'm chained, not him. So what are we supposed to do? Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Wow. Pursue peace. Verse 15 says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled bitterness will defile you it's gotten quiet in here alright number three dig up these roots break these chains how through A, B and C A, prayer In 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, in the message again, put that up there for me. Go on down to the next one, next page. All right, and listen right where it says, this is verse 11. Uh, and he'll do it again, rescuing us many times needing. You and your prayers, you and your prayers are a part of the rescue operation. You and your prayers, well, I hadn't been praying. Well, then you hadn't been rescuing. 
Come on, God wants you to be a rescuer. If, 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 if somebody was drowning, you'd go in and save them. You'd at least throw them a rope. We're to pray for people. Pray. I don't want you to be in dark. And he says, I can see your faces even now. Look at the next verse. I can see your faces lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us, a rescue in which your prayers played such a crucial part. We'll come back to that in just a second. B, peer-to-peer mentoring, elder-to-youth. And I'm not talking age because I know some people that are 25 years old that are, that are elders in the church. Hmm? Who's mentoring you? Who can you call? Now, now we, can, we can listen to people uh, on TV, and we can listen to people, and we can read the Word ourselves that will mentor us, but there, you need somebody to speak into your life. If you need somebody, I can't all, maybe I can't always be reached, or you think, but I'm mostly the time I can, but I can send you to people. There are people in this church that can help mentor you. Matter of fact, you can find somebody on your equal that will you can mentor one another and encourage one another. That's a key. I don't have nobody. Well, get somebody. Nobody likes me. Well, then change. Be likable. Smile when you don't feel like it. Be friendly. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. Look what it says. Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace. Paul wrote him a letter to mentor him, which is your true strength found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. Oh, you've got an anointing with Jesus. And all that you've learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, deposit into faithful leaders. Timothy, now you become a mentor. Deposit in the faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. We're to take what we've got and teach others. If you are not teaching your children, your grandchildren, or your neighbor's kids, you need to be teaching them. You need to be getting ready to pour into them. You need to find you a scripture, or you need to get you a daily Bible reading, and then you need to teach it to your kids. You need to be talking about it. You see that? See that right there? We don't live that way. God has not designed us to live that way. You need to be talking to them. Influence. Mentor. See. Faith in God. We're going to go deeper in these next Sunday, but faith in God, 1 John 5, 4. Whatever is born of God is victorious over the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. And we teach faith, 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 faith. We'll dig into faith. But I got one more. I'm put you on the spot back there. Look up 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10, and we're going to close with this. You can put it in New King James Version or NIV. Put it in NIV if you can. Let me just show you something right quick. Y'all with me? Look at me now. We're going to talk just for a second about godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10. Write it down. 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10. Study it out. Godly sorrow. 
Yet now I'm happy not because you were made sorry, because Paul wrote them a letter in 1 Corinthians, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. Repentance means change. Remember, remember, remember my, my object lesson? <laughs> He's getting ready. <laughs> oh, Tim, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel better because I apologize to him, but I haven't repented because I go back and hit him again. Going back, you haven't repented, you haven't changed. God wants to break the chain off you so you can be free to walk away from, from that. And he's saying, thank God I will be break the chains today. But look what it says. Because your sorrow led to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. God wants you to be sorrowful, not because what you did or what I did to him, we're supposed to change our focus and be sorrowful. Look at the next verse that we hurt God because He represents God. She, you represent God. The Bible says to teach your brothers and sisters, to teach every woman as your sister or your mother, and every man as your brother or your father. You don't sleep with your sister, you don't slap your father. It's not right. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Me just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry, okay? It's not repentance, is it? And then I hit him again. But godly sorrow, Father, I have sinned, and I am sorry. I broke your heart because I have hurt Tim. Tim, I'm sorry, but I'm more sorry that I hurt God too. You see, we all represent God. We got to start changing our thinking that, that, that she's not your wife. She represents God. He's not your husband. He represents God. That everybody you see broken on the street, they represent God because man was made in the image of God and the likeness of God. And when we sin, we break God's heart. God's bigger. It's a bigger picture than just us. I want to do right. I want to do right. I want to do right. I want to do right so I can be used by God. That's wrong prayer. If you repent to God and change, you will be used. I need to change so for this and change. No, I want to change to please God. If I change to please my wife, it only lasts for a little while. I want to change to please God because my wife's not my Savior. She can't keep me. But when I change to please God, He pulls me in and keeps me, draws me close. You with me? Godly sorrow is a different thing to think about. Change your thinking that you want to repent to God. Yeah, I need to repent to Tim, but I need to keep myself with God right. He's the bigger one. He's the greater one. He's the one who empowers. If you Remember when we started this, I said, if you know who you are in Christ, your identity. But wait a minute. If you know who God is and what He wants, that He is your success, he's your victory, he, he's your high tower, 
he is great, he is mighty, he is holy, he is worthy. I'm not worthy, he's worthy. You don't want to change for me, you want to change for him. Because I got to change for him. We all do. Amen? So by your heads, Father, we thank you for godly sorrow today. We thank you, Lord God, that we that you empower us to break chains as we submit to you today. Lord, we submit our lives to you. If you if you have never given Jesus your heart, if you've never asked him to come into your life, if you've never asked God that you said that you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, will you lift your hand today? Say, pray for me, Pastor Brad. I need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Anybody? Anybody? Just lift your hand up. Now, if you're here today, and there's some things that, that, that the Lord touched and said, I'd be more pleased if you got rid of that. Would you lift your hand, commit that to God? And he pokes me all the time. I see your hands. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father, today I come. Be my strength as I submit to you. I allow you to take control over my thinking. In the name of Jesus, I submit to the Holy Spirit to be empowered, to be an overcomer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.